Good morning, everyone. Hope you're well today. Rather than continuing our series on a heart after God, just for this week only, we thought it'd be a good idea to spend time reflecting on the season that we're in due to this pandemic. In 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32, the people of Issachar, when they joined David, are praised because they had understanding of the times. They knew what Israel ought to do. Indeed, Jesus rebukes the religious leaders in Matthew 16 when he says, you know how to interpret the sky, but you don't understand how to interpret the signs of the times. As Christians, Jesus has made it clear what he wants us to, uh, to do in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. He's also made it clear how we're to live in Matthew 23 in the Great Commandment. But there are seasons in history, and with this pandemic impacting the whole world and changing the way we live, whatever physical and practical things are behind it, we as Christians have to see the hand of God orchestrating his plan through it. So although we wouldn't claim to know all that God is, is doing, because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us as Christians, we can prayerfully have some insights into what God is doing. So we thought it would be a good idea to spend today's message reflecting on some of the things that God is doing and wanting us to learn through this current pandemic. But to start with, not sure what lockdown has looked like for you, but Anna's just got a few stories of what it looks like for us. Good morning. So we've discovered during lockdown a few things. One, that there is a significant difference between daddy daycare and mummy daycare. The highlight of daddy daycare, according to our children, is bacon sandwiches, and the low light would be the following story. Ah, yes. Well, one time when Anna was at work and I was responsible for the children, I was upstairs... We say that loosely, responsible. I was upstairs in, in, in my room while the children were downstairs. I'd only been up there momentarily and I heard screaming coming from the garden. And I looked out the bedroom window to see that Elizabeth was on a ladder which was t a piece of rope tied around the ladder, and this ladder was 18 foot in the air up in the tree. And James was at the bottom holding the rope, saying, it's all right, Beth, you'll be all right, just, just trust me. And Beth goes, oh, no, James, no, James. And I suddenly thought, oh, dear. So I yelled out the window, just stay there, and came running down to deal with the situation. That's an example of daddy daycare. I asked the children, would you have done that if mummy was there? And their response was, no, you would have seen us get the ladder out, we never would have got away with it. So there you go. We've also discovered that it is true what the doctor says, a diet of fat, carbohydrate and pure sugar does definitely make you put on weight quickly. We praise the Lord for elastic waistbands and black clothing. Enforced homeschooling should actually be classed by the Geneva Convention as a form of torture. Thankfully, I am a better nurse than a homeschooler. We're all praying that social distancing will end very soon, apart from we're all slightly hoping, secretly, that social distancing from our children may become the law. You know, Simon has developed an unhealthy obsession with nocturnal cheese consumption. It's true. And Anna with eating curly whirlies in the bathroom. Children can feel absolutely fine about major life changes such as lockdown until bedtime, preferably the parents' bedtime, when they suddenly need to discuss how they feel and obviously need you to pray for them for hours. 
Children have an endless capacity to damage themselves. It's quite extraordinary, really, and it definitely disproves some elements of the Pavlov's dog theory. <laughs> Queuing for the supermarket has now become normal. You prepare for it as you would for going to a GP appointment. You take a book or a magazine, something to do, because you just don't know how long you're going to be there. And also, you must never drink before you go in case you need a wee whilst you're in the queue. Children are not good at social distancing, particularly when you end up meeting someone when you're out on your exercise and that they know, and preferably when you're surrounded by many, many people so that they all see your children go up and start touching other people. You know, my spouse really is right. I am really annoying. Children are the Was problem. I supposed to say, no, dear, no. <laughs> yeah, no, no she's not. that's the right response. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> teachers really are amazing. It's not that the teacher had it in for little Johnny. It actually is that little Johnny had it in for the teachers. <laughs> Trying to do serious Zoom calls with four kids is not a possibility unless gags and ropes are involved. And the new sick fade haircut and the ASBO look is now the normal for all men in the UK. And Everyone's copying my hairstyle. <laughs> going out to date night in the lean-to really is as exciting as it sounds. Thanks for that, Anna. One of the things I believe God is doing in his church in this time, is he is sorting, to use John the Baptist's words, he is sorting the wheat from the chaff. He is separating those who Jesus would uh, be saying, you, you know, um, I, you may say, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. Those who just attend church religiously, but they actually don't have a depth of relationship with Jesus. Jesus is, is sorting his wheat, the wheat from the chaff. With his true disciples, he's shaking the things around us, revealing what is truly important to you. Does your heart ache because you miss gathering together with God's people to worship him together? You know, in the West, too many of us have fallen into the trap of gathering on a Sunday or in our midweek groups if we, if we can, if we can make time for it, forgetting that it's actually a wonderful privilege that we have that we as believers in this country get to freely gather whenever we like and can come straight into the presence of God because of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you and lives inside of me. It's a joy and a privilege for us to gather together to worship God. Yet many of us have taken it for granted and have even got to the place where they can take church or leave it, or take their midweek group or leave it, depending on what else is on that seems more important to them, or what was on the night before, so they're too tired the next day. In the West, to use Jesus' parable of the seed, for some of us, it's not really, it's not really the, the, um, the fear of persecution and hardship that has become the problem, but it's much more the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches that choke the word, making us unfruitful. We over busy ourselves, not just for work, although for some people it is work, always wanting to please the boss, to get working hard to try and get that promotion, to get extra money. Now, you know, by all means, work heartily unto the Lord. That's what scripture tells us to. But that can so easily drift into trying to please man or trying to earn money. Don't let 
that be true of you. But for many people, it's not work, but it's this hobby or that sports activity or that bit of entertainment. It's all those clubs that we feel our kids must do in order to be good parents, which if we were to look at these things under the light of God's word, they would come under that category of the deceitfulness of riches and the deceitfulness of uh, the cares of, of this world. You know, as parents, our chief aim shouldn't be to make sure that our kids have lots of fun or that everything is entertaining and enjoy, enjoy uh, uh, and full of enjoyment for our kids. As that just leads them down a path of hedonism. Actually, uh, the most important thing we can do for our children is make sure that they grow up knowing, loving, and serving Jesus. The most important thing for you personally is that you grow in your love for, in your knowledge of, and in how you serve Jesus. Too many of us have got distracted by the cares of this world. And God is saying, actually, enough. And he stopped all those things for a season so that we can reassess, we can, we can take time to evaluate, refocus and prioritize our lives on Christ. Because it's only Jesus who has the words of eternal life. In Jesus is life, and life in all its fullness, John 10, 10 tells us. As Christians, when you give your life to Christ, that is what you're supposed to do. Give him your life. Live the rest of your life for him. Luke uh, 9 verse 23 tells us, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Not have a quick game of golf and a, and a nip to the theater on the way. Now I'm not saying, you know, don't do sport and don't watch uh, things or, uh, or shows or anything like that. But what I am saying is your life Jesus is supposed to be the all in all in your life. Are you living totally for him? Did your life pre-lockdown reflect a life that was totally sold out for Jesus? If not, then you need to repent of that and make those changes and make that decision that I'm going to live all out for Jesus. You won't regret it, my friends. Another thing I believe God is wanting to address and challenge in us as we try to live all out for him is are we spending time with him are we making time to be with god to spend time in his word the bible to spend time seeking him in prayer you know psalms 1 tells us that blessed is the man who meditates on god's word day and night Joshua, when he took over the leadership of Israel, God told him to, to uh, make sure that he meditated on God's word day and night. Jesus, when he was on earth, he got up early to pray. He stayed up late to seek his father. And sometimes he spent all night seeking God in prayer. My friends, we need to make time for God every day morning and evening, seeking him. Seeking him by yourself, seeking him with your spouse and children, if that's possible, if they, if they believe. It's making time for God. 
not just about having a quiet time. It's about being hungry to meet with your heavenly Father who loves you and wants to spend time with you. I need to, to stop there and pass over to Anna. But remember, God is wanting to stir a fresh desire in you in this time to gather together to worship him. And it's not just about us making time for him in our busy schedules. It's, uh, it's about us making our schedules be based around God, making plenty of time for us to meet with the living God. Anna. So firstly, can I just say that we have so missed being with our church family. It's really grieved us to not be able to meet together. And, you know, it's really shown us that we truly are a family as a church together. And we've really felt the pain of not being able to meet together, to praise and worship, to fellowship together, to pray together, to laugh and cry with each other, and to share hospitality with you all. You know, Zoom and Microsoft team, whilst they're wonderful in their own way, are definitely a poor substitute for physically gathering together, and we really pray that we'll be able to meet together really soon. But one of the things I've really felt God challenged me about during this time is family life. And I don't just mean if you've got children, I mean however your family may look. My very wise sister-in-law, Erica, so accurately assessed that lockdown has showed us all the holes in our family lives. And this is so true, whatever your family unit looks like. You know, in the greenhouse of lockdown, God has provided us with a no-escape, close-up look at our families. We can't escape to meetings. We can't go out with friends. We can't disappear off and get a bit of space. We can't run out and take the kids to swimming or, footbo or football. We can't avoid each other. So can I ask you, what are the holes in your family that you feel God has shown you? For us, we've really realized that we need to prioritize family time more. In Proverbs 22.6, it says, um, it really it asks, tells us to instruct a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. And this really involves time, doesn't it, to instruct a child. It's not just uninterrupted family time like family night, which we've uh, always had, but actually it's in the everyday. It's really good for our kids to see us all the time, no matter how annoying we may find that. It's good for them to see how we react to things, to have that time to chat with them whilst you're making dinner because you're not worrying about the fact you've got to be at swimming in the next 25 minutes or you've got to go out the door in the next uh, five minutes. It's about laying the table together or pottering around the garden while one of the kids chats to you. I was thinking, actually, of the Apostle Paul who wrote to the church in Corinth and told them to follow me as I follow Christ. And it's such a challenge, isn't it, in the way that we live? And it's a challenge which actually I failed at many times during these last few months. But Jesus has so kindly reminded me that setting the example of humility and asking for forgiveness from God, from the kids, and for Si when we get it wrong is also an, an important example and part of following Jesus. And we, like all parents, really cling on to the truth that love covers over a multitude of sins. You know, as parents, we are the ones who are spiritually responsible for the growth and development of our children. But the main way we do this is actually by showing them by how we live. That's how they learn. How can we ask our children to have a daily quiet time if we don't, or they don't even know that we do that? 
How can we ask them to speak kindly with grace to each other when we're always bickering with each other or when we are constantly annoyed with our children? The real challenge for us has been actually worship. The challenge of asking our children to worship with us on a Sunday morning in the front room of our house when actually they may never have seen you worship at any other time than at church on a Sunday. The challenge to us parents is actually that we need to sharpen our walk with Jesus and we need to set the example to our kids of a humble and genuine walk of love with Jesus. Now homeschooling, or should I say enforced homeschooling because I know some people choose to homeschool and that's an entirely different thing than this enforced homeschooling. But enforced homeschooling, in honesty, a new and unwanted land for many of us, and I think if we're fair, most of us are quite ready to depart from that land rapidly. And actually, I have to say, our kids have been really great, um, and the main problem has been me. I'm definitely not the best educator. I do not have much patience or grace, and there is so only so many times you can tell your child that there is a difference between the word through and though. There is. Um, but this time has really shown me the absolute drive of our education system to fill our kids' heads with human liberalism and secularism. Our kids are being taught this one view like it's a fact. So an example would be evolution, or we're all perfect in our own way. Love is love. Whatever you feel is right is, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. Sex is just a physical act essentially driven by our evolutionary nature. Actually, we've got to counteract this in our children. We need to be flooding our kids' heads and hearts with the truth of the gospel. We need to be preparing them to be able to successfully debate and dispute some of these so-called facts with clear arguments and to teach them how to dispute and argue with people and still be full of love, grace and truth and to show Christ's love to people. We really need to pray over our children that they will be full of the Holy Spirit and that they'll be full of power and full of boldness. You know, our children face a challenge which I think it's fair to say we did not face when we were at school. And we really need to be praying for them that they will be dynamic children who are able to stand up to a society that is trying to force them into a particular way of life. We must not be afraid as parents to teach biblical truth as absolute truth in a society which is educating our children to believe that truth is all relative, apart from obviously when you disagree with the human liberalist view. You know, as I reflect on this time, God has really shown me the importance of valuing the person in front of you. You know, Jesus, when he was here on earth, he made time for people, didn't he? People like the woman at the well who he just sat with, the woman who had been bleeding for many years, the little children who came running up to him, he made time for them. I think firstly, it's valuing the people that you live with and seeing them as important. You know, I'm really grateful for Sai. He's really gracious and kind. He really loves Jesus and leads our family really well. He's also really weird and um, he's funny in a kind of laughing at him way. Um, 
but I am amazed that he puts up with me. I really am an annoying person, I've realised during lockdown. I annoy myself, which really tells you how annoying you Not are. Not true. Not true. <laughs> that is the right answer. Well done. Um, I'm also really grateful for our kids. You know, they've been brilliant. And in honesty, they've really helped us during this lockdown to just keep going. And, that you know, life just carries on with children. And they've been absolutely brilliant. But God has also made me really value the people that I see, the people that I work with. I really enjoy seeing the girls at work. They're lovely and I enjoy being with them. It's what about the nice man that you see in Tesco's or the helpful lady in Tesco's who wipes down your trolley, which I just think is so nice them and they're always so friendly and kind. And or the neighbour that you see in the front garden and take the time to stop and say, hi, how are you? How are you finding it? Can we help you in any way? What about the person in front of you in the queue for Tesco's while you're just standing there waiting? You know, we need to take time to ask people how they are. Instead of hurrying all the time to get to the next thing that we're supposed to be at, during lockdown, we don't have to hurry so much. And so we have learned to stop and to talk to the person that God has put in front of them, to ask them how they are, to make them feel that they are valuable and precious, which of course they are so valuable and precious because they're created by God. To offer to pray with people. You know, the, the other day I was talking to the lovely Tesco's man, the cashier, and he, he was really down. I could see he was really down. So I just asked him, you know, is, is this a new job for you? And, and he'd lost his business in this. And it, he was so broken by it. I felt so sorry for him. He was a man in his 50s. And I could just see, you know, it had taken such humility for him to say no I've got to provide for my family and do something he didn't want to do and I uh, I said to him when I'd finished shopping what's your name I'm going to pray for you that your business starts again really quickly and he's like well it will eventually I said no I'm going to pray that your business starts next month because God really loves you and it's a really great thing that you've had the humility to take a job that will provide for your family and I'm just going to pray that God really rewards you for that. You know, it's taking that time to be light in the darkness. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Colossians 3 and 4 and James 1, we're told to be thankful. And this is something God has reminded me of so much during this time. You know, the main thing that I'm really thankful for is that I have Jesus and that he loves me. You know, can you imagine what this time would have been like if you didn't know Jesus? Or if you don't know what's going to happen when you die, how scared would you be during this time? But I'm so thankful that for us who believe, we get to live a life of peacefulness, whatever is happening in the world. You know, after hearing so many awful and heartbreaking stories from across the world, um, not just from the countries we work in, and some of the stories have been absolutely horrific, but from other nations um, that we know people um, are working in as well. You know, whatever your politics may be, we really need to be thankful for a free healthcare system, which we don't have to provide money before we even access to the hospital. We need to be thankful for the fact that for years we've been able to meet in peace as churches with no one interrupting us or making it difficult for us. What a joy that has been for us as churches. For um, the government financially helping people, such as the furlough system, which and the um, self-employment help. You know, um, it might be flawed in some areas, but the government is trying to help. We're really thankful for charities like the Food Bank, which are making sure that people have enough food during this time. And we're thankful that we live in a country of safety and a country of peace. 
You know, we need to be a people who are so thankful that, like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, we are thankful all of the time and we rejoice always. We really, as well, just need to be praying for our government as they try to work out what the next steps are. I mean, who knows what they should do next? It's such an unknown, unprecedented situation. We really need to pray for them to have wisdom to know how best to get us out of this um, situation that we're in. I'll hand back over to Sai. Okay, finally, just one last thing from me, Christchurch. Uh, most of you would have heard the reports of people um, uh, t reading, uh, coming to God in prayer, and looking at church services online. Loads and loads of people are beginning to do that in our nation. God is doing something. And 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 tells us to preach the word in season and out of season. And the UK and Europe, I think it, all of us would say we've been in a, a time where it's been out of season, whatever that looks like. However, because of this pandemic, that is changing. People are beginning to turn back to God, to turn to prayer, to look into the deeper questions of life. And my friends, we need to step up our proclamation of the gospel to those around us. We need to, like Anna in the shop, be offering to pray for people that we come in, that we meet there and then. Pray for salvation. Believe for salvation. Share your faith with the hope of seeing salvation. You know, Proverbs 11 verse 30 says, he who wins souls is wise. Do you want to be wise in this time? Live totally for Jesus and point everybody you meet to Jesus as well. If you're listening today and you don't know Jesus, know that he has the very best for you. He went to the cross for you. He chose to die in your place. So all the things that you and I and others have done that offend God, he took on himself so that through faith, when we put our faith and our trust in him, we can receive his righteousness and be acceptable in God's sight. It's the only way that we as sinful men and women can be accepted before a holy God. We can never earn it by ourselves. It's the only way that we can go from being under God's judgment to receiving his blessing, to being born as children of wrath, to becoming children of God is through Jesus. And when we put our faith in him, we have that glorious hope that we know that when Christ returns and renews all things and makes everything perfect and renews the world where there'll be no more evil, there'll be no more sickness, no pandemic, no death, we will be included in that number to go with him. Jesus has the very best for you if you surrender your life to, to him. It may be more difficult initially, but actually it's worth it. You can trust Jesus completely. As the Bible says, he is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And if you don't know Jesus, then pray this prayer along with me now as a way to surrender to him. Heavenly Father, thank you that you loved me enough to send your son Jesus to die for me. Please forgive me of all that I've done that offends you and help me to live the rest of my life for you. 
I surrender myself to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you want to find out more, uh, then please visit our website. It should appear on the screen now. We'd love to, get, uh, we'd love to help you and talk to you further about that. You'll find stuff on there that you can access, uh, access the church, and we'd love, to, we'd love to hear from you. But for the rest of us, let us be wise to what God is wanting us to do in this time. And let's use it to reflect, evaluate, and refocus our lives on Jesus. Live totally for Jesus and point everybody you meet to Jesus. His life is actually all about him. It finds its meaning, its purpose, its fulfillment in Jesus. And now, as we finish, I'm going to hand over to Chris to lead us in a song of surrender to Jesus because it's all for Jesus. Thank you for listening.